everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Investor Podcast. Uh, with us today, we have Mr. Amish Kanani. Amish, it's great to have you here today. I hope you're doing good. Yes, Vinamra, thanks, to, uh, thanks uh, for having me on your podcast. Uh, really uh, good. Uh, so Amish, you know, before we start, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, about your experiences in the Indian stock market. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Vinamra, you know, I was an equity analyst for a very brief period after uh, my professional degree of uh, chartered accountancy here in India. Uh, and after that, I joined an industry research firm called Infact, uh, which was the market leader in doing industry research. And I honed my skill uh, doing research only for the industries. Uh, after spending about three years, I was part of Crisil, uh, and I spent uh, three years with Crisil on doing credit research. Uh, which is very, very important for an analyst to understand how the balance sheets are moving. And then I moved on to Kotak Mahindra Mutual Fund, again as a debt analyst. And I spent about two years uh, in that debt team to understand how the debt market works along with the credit research. And following that, I joined JM Financial, where in their PMS team, I'm with them uh, for last 15 years. First seven years, I again spent as a buy-side analyst. How? we have to re, uh, uh, track the stocks from a bottom-up perspective uh, and really take a call for client's portfolio as a buy-side analyst, which is very, very important uh, for a fund manager to understand how the sell side write the research, how to read them, and you know, uh, actually take into the portfolio action. And following that, uh, I'm managing a fund called IRP3, uh, which is doing very well. It's a Medgar bias fund, and I'm managing these funds for last uh, eight years now. So you moved up from uh, starting out as an analyst all the way to a fund manager. Absolutely. And what uh, what sector were you tracking, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so across the board, whenever I wanted to always be, uh, you know, knowing and wanting to know more about every sector. Mm. Uh, so I have tracked various sectors uh, for about two, three years across all these uh, periods, uh, starting from pharmaceutical to IT to CapEx now in last two years. And I've also tracked, uh, you know, uh, commodity sectors like sugar, chemical at various points in time in my uh, career. Well, that's very different from the path most analysts take, which is just one industry. But it's good that, uh, you know, you've had first-hand experience analyzing different, different sectors. So Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. that's great, you know, um, but I think you must be even happier now as a fund manager because for about a year and a half, the Indian markets have been rising with full steam. Uh, the Indian economy, you know, it's expected to grow 7% this, uh, this fiscal year. 6.5 yes. next. We are most definitely in the expansion phase of the economic cycle. Why don't you give Correct. some light on what you see from here on out for the economy? Sure. So, Virembra, uh, before jumping to giving you a, a forward-looking, uh, you know, outlook, I will give you a very brief, uh, you know, background of how we are, where we are in the economic cycle, right? Uh, so there are two, three cycles that I would like to quickly remind you so that we know where we are in that cycle. Uh, so in the economic cycle side, if you see, uh, we have a two, we, we track two cycles, which is a fiscal policy and monetary policy. And if you see on a fiscal policy side, India is consolidating its fiscal, uh, you know, uh, account uh, from a, from a fiscal deficit of uh, high post-corona of as high as 9%, it 
and then 6.8%. We are consolidating somewhere around 6% in, in last year, uh, 59 to be precise, uh, on the fiscal side. Uh, so we are consolidating, taking steps. We are not splurging too much as a country, and we are consolidating. Uh, when it comes to monetary policy cycle, Vinamra, uh, clearly because of the expansion and the global inflation that, that we, we were we were experiencing a slightly higher inflation vis-a-vis -a, -vis a tolerant band that our RBI is very comfortable with. RBI tolerant band is more like 4 to 6%, mm. right? With an average of 4, plus or minus 2%. We were running slightly above the zone, above 4%, more towards 6% since last few quarters. And that's where, uh, in line with global uh, you know, central bank's policy, we were tightening a bit, uh, which again is good that in an expanding phase, both we were not even splurging on a fiscal side also, we were trying to consolidate. And on the monetary policy side, we were trying to tighten a bit to control the inflation. Uh, so to put it in a very summary, uh, we are in a growth cycle where both fiscal and monetary is tightening so as to make sure that inflation don't go out of uh, out of control. Okay, so you're saying we're in a growth cycle with both tightening from fiscal and monetary. That's so, correct. That's so, correct. So how do you forecast the, the tightening from both sides to impact India's growth trajectory? Sure. Uh, so again, uh, if you see the fiscal path that, you know, the the uh, the fiscal uh, finance minister has put us uh, for us it's coming again consolidating further every year 0.4% fiscal deficit we have promised to reduce it so that should continue and the coming budget will give us the insight into that uh, whether we are doing it or not very likely that we will continue with that path and if you look at monetary policy after a pause that you know rbi has given to us my sense is we will be here uh, pausing and not raising rates, uh, not even uh, cutting the rates for a while now. We will watch how the inflation goes. We as a RBI, as an institution will watch. And then sometime in second half of, uh, you know, the calendar year, my sense is if Fed starts to cut the rate, we might want to cut the rate if our inflation is under control. So that's where, you know, we see the, the fiscal uh, and monetary policy path. Most of the forecast is that India should continue to grow in a band of six and a half and seven percent, as you said, for next two years. But actually, for next five to ten years as a country. And why are we saying that? Because one, we have a very, very strong macroeconomic backdrop, as I explained. And second, we have a very good, you know, reform that this government has taken. So you look at the infra and capex spending that this government has done especially on the railway, defense, and selectively housing side. And also there is a push on a power side. And then you have this PLI-linked incentive schemes that this government has rolled out, which looks like, you know, taking shape in a, across the sector. So if you put these, you put all these things together, it looks like the push that the government is doing on the CapEx and Infra side should continue for next three to five years. And then... If you look at the corporate capex cycle, it's slowly taking shape. And lots and lots of co corporates, uh, if you take the average capitalization of, you know, all across India, uh, as per RBI survey, we were at 75%. And generally, as a thumb rule, Vinamra, there is a huge capex boom that starts when the cap uh, capitalization reaches more like 80%. So we are in a zone where selectively 
through PLI schemes, we are starting to do capex across sectors, listed and unlisted. And then you have lots of other core core industries which will join for spending on the capex side. And we are looking at a very decent upcycle on both on the corporate side and on the government side. So you spoke earlier about how this is a start of a capex cycle, with the last one being between uh, 2003 to 2008, which saw an incredible gain in both the Indian economy and the stock market. I think a great measure connecting the um, you know the macro economy and the stock market is corporate profits to GDP. We are currently at uh, 4.6%, I think. Um, where would you say we are in the cycle on a corporate profits to GDP standpoint? Because, you know, it's it's an indicator that's used, firstly, of course, by Warren Buffett, uh, but by many investment professionals to understand where India is in, where a country is in the economic cycle towards growth, you know, because if countries are growing a lot, but if they're towards really the highest end of corporate profits to GDP, the uh, upside a country can, can uh, gain is far less. So what are your views on this metric? That's that's correct, uh, Vinamara. It's an important question. Uh, let's look at the data, Vinamara, in terms of India's corporate profit to GDP as a ratio. And if you map that since last 20 years, we saw a first upturn in the corporate profit to GDP cycle from 2000 to 2008. And from 2%, we saw a corporate profit to GDP cycle growing to as high as 7 and plus percent in the run-up to 2007 and 8, which was a global boom, along with a boom in India. Then came a consolidation and a decline phase where corporate profit to GDP ratio declined from around 7% to a mid of 4% till 2012-13. And following that, it continued to fall down to a low of 2% and below also in the years of 2018-20. to 20. So this these were the after, years where... This is after GFC, demonetization. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So... So, so, so demonetization happened uh, sometime in 2016 and 17. And following that, India was taking lots of reforms and lots of tightening, uh, which, you know, in the initial phase that uh, Modi government did in their first phase, mm -hmm. uh, cleaning up of corporate balance sheet, cleaning up of bank balance sheet, uh, providing for NPS. And hence, the corporate profit cycle was very, very low. It reached a low of 2%. In fact, post-corona, it reached as low as 1%, uh, if our data is correct. And that is slowly moving up post-corona. Obviously, post-corona was a very depressed profit cycle. Mm -hmm. But then, from there on, we have reached to 4% in FY21. And now, we are more like 5.6% in FY22 and 23. The key point is, we are at the middle of the cycle, uh, with past peak being as high as 7%. Okay. So... In a band of uh, between four to seven, we are somewhere at around five. And our sense is we have more legs to grow in the sense that corporate profitability should improve. And if you look at in terms of P ratio, okay, and first, what was the corporate profit growth in last three years? Our sense is we have grown uh, a compounding at average average of 20, 22% in last three years on a slightly lower base of post-corona, as I said. But in next three years, uh, if you if you project forward, Vinamra, our our sense is we are getting a growth rate which is more like 14 to 16 percent, mm -hmm. which is a very very decent number, uh, and that should support the valuation. Got it. 
then comes a valuation in that context Vinamra. all the profits has to convert into what is the valuation that we are paying for those kind of profits and growth right so if you have to give your perspective of what is the valuation in that context okay uh, we have been tracking the valuations very very closely and if you look at very very long cycle india used to trade at 15 times one year forward uh, if you take a 20 year average but interestingly if you take five year average which is again a a profit cycle which was improving and growing at a reasonably fast pace and we believe last five to seven years is a good average since modi ji's reforms have started yeah. to pay yeah. the dividends to us right and if you take a five year average interestingly uh, vinamra we are trading at more or less around 19 and a half 20 one year forward okay in that parameter vinamra we are trading at around 21 times one year forward if you take a nifty level of 22,000. Mm -hmm. So to summarize, my sense is that in a in a rising corporate profit cycle, where we see profits growing at 15% plus and a P ratio, which is one year forward at 20, we are sensing that we are not extremely expensive, though market has run up quite a lot in last three years. You know, with all the macro tailwinds India has, I think one of the biggest tailwinds it has is liquidity today. SIP, SIP flows, you know, I'm I'm blown away by the numbers. Uh, you you want to throw any light on how SIPs are supporting the markets? Oh, that that's the most interesting story that India has uh, in last five years again, Venambra. Okay, so if you again track the monthly SIP flow was very very muted. SIP culture was not at all there uh, if you look at 2014. But all the steps that this government has taken, including, as you mentioned, about demonetization, people have started to understand and appreciate the power of equity market and the compounding that happens through equity markets. So if you again track last five to seven years, there is somewhat of a little less importance to physical saving, as I say people have started to have a decent allocation in their portfolio to equity through SIP culture and little less importance to gold and real estate, which was very, very important and had a very high allocation in India uh, prior to, uh, you know, demonetization. Here, if you look at the trend on a monthly basis, India is receiving flow, which has slowly and steadily rising from 14,000 crore per month SIP to now nearer about 18,000 crore per month. And whenever if you convert that into, into a billion dollar, uh, because that's where we convert when we track FI flows in India, mm -hmm. uh, our, our track record is that we are getting $2 billion of inflow through SIP alone uh, in India today on a monthly basis. If you analyze it, we are talking about $24 billion of buying power that Indian mutual fund have if we don't redeem our past SIP. Right. So, of course, we have to look at the number net of redemption, but there are no major redemption that we have been seeing, uh, uh, though there are profits uh, that are, uh, you know, profit pools are being generated by the uh, retail investors in India. And net net, we are seeing anywhere between 20 to 25 billion dollars of buying power that happens through mutual fund. Again, if you add the insurance and pension money, our sense is that overall last year, there was a buying of about $36 billion on an annual basis on, on the equity side.
from Indian investors put together through mutual fund, insurance, and pension. So that's a $3 billion per month number that I'm tracking, Viramra, which is a very, very steady number, yeah. which helps, uh, you know, in any market correction. So it seems like it's really becoming India's moment. What are some risks you see to this? Yes, Viramra. So there are risks. There are risks. Long term, it's absolutely beautiful. India, it looks like, has arrived. Uh, India looks like if you again track on a five-year forward basis uh, and you take a GDP growth of six and a half, seven percent, it looks like within five to six years, we are the top five uh, economy as of now, but we'll overtake, overtake uh, the fourth and the third largest economy in, in next five years. And it looks like we'll be in the top three, right? But having said that, uh, you know, answering the risk question, uh, there are key risks that we are tracking. And the risks, it looks like, Vinamra, it's all global, right? Last year, uh, US GDP has grown at a decent clip. On an annualized basis, uh, you know, the growth rate is nearer 3%. There were quarters where actually we grew more than 4% and we were surprised, all of us were surprised that uh, US is growing at a very fast pace. Uh, at the start of the year, there was a, again a fear of recession. Uh, but the key point is we need to track US economy very, very closely. Any slowdown, it looks like US economy is slowing down. It depends on what rate it slows down and what is the inflation that it takes shape on. But if the US economy slows down significantly vis-a-vis -vis the base case assumption, then we need to worry. Because any slowdown in US, along with a China slowdown, which looks like is uh, happening in the background, you will have replications and collateral damage for Indian economy as well. And because we are trading at a premium in terms of growth, if those growth doesn't pan out, we need to worry about that. Any concerns on uh, valuations in the small and uh, mid-cap space? I think that's that's really uh, all the vogue right now. Yes, Vinamara. So, yes, if you take a historic trailing view, uh, mid-cap and small, small cap had run up as high as 50% on a, on a calendar year basis in 2023. So they are trading at a bit of a premium on a historic basis. If you take two years forward, it looks like we are not, again, significantly very expensive, but there are pockets of overvaluation that is definitely emerging in number. So we need to be very, very circumspect about that. We need to go sector by sector to see which are the sectors where there are premiums that are getting built into mid-cap versus large-cap, and there are sectors where there are no major premiums. So we need to work here on either sectoral basis or a bottom-up basis to make sure that we don't overpay for growth. Clearly, there are some premiums being being embedded on a mid-cap and small-cap side. Continuing on the risk, I think one key risk, again, that we shouldn't ignore here is a geopolitical risk. Clearly, last three years, there was a trade war between China and US, which is continuing. And in that context, geopolitical risks are rising quite a bit. There was uh, Russia, which was invading Ukraine. That continues. Though the war has not taken the ugly proportion, it is continuing in the background for one and a half years. What we have seen last year, uh, in the last quarter of calendar year, was an attack that Gaza Strip had vis-a-vis uh, -vis Israel. And there's a small war that has erupted in the Middle East as well. 
that seems to be again continuing with Houthi group attacking the ships on the Red Sea of China. And we are seeing some disruption on the trade side because of that geopolitics. So I think this year we need to be very, very carefully watching the geopolitical risks, both on the Russia side versus the rest of the world and Israel, the way it's progressing in the Middle East. We need to closely watch these risks. If these risks pans out, the global economic growth can sputter. And if that were to happen, India will definitely uh, be affected because we are part of a global supply chain in the terms of economy. So we need to worry about it and track it very, very closely to get that uh, you know, right. One last point that I add, Vinamra, again, is on the election cycle. Vinamra, we are having this year, you know, so many elections across the world. And two key elections that we watched very, very keenly is an India election and a US election. India election is due in March 2024. Again, if you analyze the past, we had a BJP, which is ruling India since last two terms, and Modiji is doing a very good job of heading uh, the elect, uh, election uh, uh, you know, government. Our sense is that based on the performance of BJP in last four state election, mm. it looks like BJP has a fair chance of winning again for the third term. If that were to happen, it's a very good thing that can happen uh, with India because we have a stable and the same government for the third term and with a very, very strong leader heading it. It will be a very good thing that were to happen uh, for India. But if any surprise there, we need to worry a bit more uh, because then there'll be an uncertainty on the whole uh, scenario that we are looking at in terms of economic growth, reforms, stability of reforms and direction of reforms. So we need to worry about it. And then again, we need to worry. Uh, we need to track U.S. election also very, very closely. How it goes? There is a definitely a strong fight between Republicans and Democrats. How it pans out? It will be very, very interesting to watch because it may have implications again for the U.S. fiscal deficit, and there may be a monetary policy. Though Fed is independent, uh, of course, a fiscal deficit is something that we need to watch out for in the context of coming U.S. election. Definitely, the interest payments you know that they're making on this uh, on the debt that they have is an enormous amount. You know, on an annualized basis, they're paying US is paying just a trillion dollars in interest payments, which is largely due to you know the increase in interest rates at the five point five percent now, not at point two five. That's correct. Which would have That's very correct. Interest payments a burden on the economy, but uh, you know, absolutely. You you know you spoke about uh, geopolitical risks. I think given India's valuations, trading at super rich valuations, especially when compared to emerging markets and the world, uh, in my eyes, India will be first hit by a geopolitical risk because of the valuations we are trading at. You know, when something is trading at a super high valuation, it's very easy to get the valuations down because there's a lot priced into it. Um, have you had experience dealing with expensive markets? And have you learned from those experiences? Uh, what what are the learnings that you've had from those uh, those times? Absolutely, Manabra. So that's what uh, you know. A seasoned fund manager and portfolio manager has to worry about all the time, right? So yes, we are trading at a premium vis-a-vis the past, and we are trading at a premium vis-a-vis the emerging market as well. And in that context, also 
small cap and mid cap also trading at a premium we need to worry about the valuations in general so if you look at the past historic cycle analysis an interesting phase that we had you know faced as a mid cap biased fund manager was an interesting year of 2018 to 2020 we had a very very brutal you know years especially on the mid cap side though nifty did not correct so much in those years that is because of a very interesting you know development that happened in india in those years after a very strong three year rally in the first phase of modi ji's uh, election uh, from 2014 to 2018 where again mid cap and small cap had done phenomenally well there came a uh, three events in 2018 which affected the valuation especially on the mid cap side and we had a drawdown of as high as more than 25% and in some select stocks more than 30% in quite a few stocks starting from 2018 if i have to recount those years uh, vinamra uh, in the february of 2018 india started to tax capital gains after years of a free capital gain tax that indian equity was enjoying though the rate of tax was low at 10% on the capital gain side on the long term but it affected the psychology of investors and investors were wanting to book profit uh, because uh, you know capital gains were uh, starting to get uh, implemented from april though retrospective it was not allowed it was not implemented with a retrospective effect it was a forward looking measure but that dented a bit of the psyche of investors saying let's book profit we have made a lot of money mm-hmm. and there was a small bout of profit booking which started in in april come come june july there was a sebi mandate where sebi also observed that mutual funds all mutual funds were not aligned vis-a-vis what they were saying what they are about to do uh, in terms of mid cap small cap and large cap funds so sebi clearly came out with a rule saying be very clear about what kind of category of mutual fund that you are managing are you managing large cap mid cap small cap or or you know flexi cap a kind of a mandate and then there were clear demarcations of what kind of percentage that you can have maximum in a mid cap versus you know large cap in a mid cap fund versus large cap fund that resulted in profit booking again uh, and then you had an alfs crisis in september of that year that resulted in a sell off in nbfc in particular which was rising very very rapidly in that cycle and there was a mild tightening of nbfc liquidity starting from that month because of the ilfs had defaulted it was a triple a nbfc ndd and it defaulted market was shocked and you had a tightening continuing at least on the nbfc liquidity side because nbfcs were facing problems in raising funds mm-hmm. uh, post ilfs and you had a combination of factors which affected the valuations very very clearly 2019 was a stable year following that but here came 2020 early where market started to kind of take an upward turn but we had corona uh, from march onward and the whole you know economy slowed down absolutely because of the closure of the indian economy and the world over obviously there was a recession as you you would know in those years india was not escaping that and you had a very very brutal three year from 2018 to 2020 till march april of 2020 we had a lot of drawdown uh, as in in the mid cap and small cap and what we learned a lesson is that 
One, you should have some flexibility in your mandate where if you can't create cash, you should have some sectors which are cash proxy or some large cap you should invest, which gives you some comfort on the downside when the market is, you know, falling very, very fast. So, you know, this time around, are there any indicators you are tracking to protect yourself from a similar, uh, you know, kind of market where the small and mid caps are really expensive? Yes. So, Vinamrav, as we discussed the cycle, we need to very clearly know which part of the cycle we are, both from the economic perspective and from the liquidity perspective. And in that context, what kind of valuations are we paying? Right. If you have those things right, you can get the trends right. But here we are dealing with psychology of people and the way they perceive markets. And P ratio is a function of liquidity and is a function of the imagination of investors about its earth's growth outlook. So it's very difficult to pinpoint the exact point where market can peak and you know starts to correct in a bigger way. What we can do as a fund manager, Vinamra, is that we need to take actions in the portfolio to control the risks, right? What we do, Vinamra, here is we follow the GAAP principle and we say that let's not chase the performance and momentum, okay? Have a balance between, uh, between the cyclical stock, which are growing very, very fast, CapEx, industrials, cyclical, auto, banking. Those are the sectors which are growing in a high growth phase have a balance between those sectors versus the sectors which are little safe they may be growing at a little slower pace but they offer steady growth right and that's what we do one a gap principle and diversify the portfolio across sector and follow a gap principle and don't overpay for growth and that's what we do to make sure that we don't get carried away and when the market corrects you don't get you know, draw down on the portfolio, uh, which have significant enough. That makes sense. I think uh, GARP as a principle, especially uh, growth at a reasonable price is integral when picking stocks, especially when valuations are as stretched as they are now. Amish, before I let you go, uh, as a final question, you know, while many sectors they have so many stocks in them that are multi-baggers. You also have some very commonly invested sectors like consumer discretionary that haven't moved. So sector picking, it's clearly important. Um, what are some sectors that you are bullish on? Yes, Vidamara. So if you see our portfolio strategy in last one and a half, two years, clearly we were able to identify the growth pockets which has been doing well in the markets and three or four key themes that stands out is, you know, within the infra space, government was very clear to have more spending on railways. That's doing very well. And our sense is it's a, it's a, it's a five year cycle. It can continue to do well. Again, valuations are stretched there. We need to be very careful about what kind of valuations we pay per railway as a theme can continue for next three to five years. If this government were to come back, because government has very, very strong plan on spending on railway side. Defense, very clearly, they are making India Atmanirbhar Bharat. Uh, and defense is a very, very strong, you know, focus of this government, more so in the geopolitical backdrop that we discussed. 
India is clearly supporting its defense industry and PSUs are doing very, very well. Our sense is the investments, domestic production of defense products in India will continue and that sector should also continue to do well. Again, valuations are a bit stretched there. Lots of defense names are now trading at more in a band of 25 to 30 per, uh, times its forward earnings. So the easy uh, you know, phase is over. But growth, it looks like will continue. At what valuations they trade is a different matter. Uh, the third theme clearly is make in India. Lots of sectors, uh, you know, because of this Atmanirbhar movement, uh, there are lots of sectors where make in India is, is uh, thriving. And we have sectors after sectors, electronic manufacturing, mobile manufacturing, uh, and, uh, you know, there are, there are power deficits which is emerging. So again, there is an emphasis on investments back into power, uh, be it uh, coal power or a green power. So green power as a theme also is very, very strong. Uh, and we see years and years of investments that we'll have to do in power. And there is a balance that we are doing in terms of investments in solar and wind power, along with the grid enhancement that we need to do to support these power. Uh, and we are seeing years of investments in the energy, uh, be it, uh, be it uh, power or solar. Got it. Got it. Uh, I think the sectors you've mentioned, they're so important for India to move from a developing to a developed nation and being self-sustaining in that journey. Amish, I think, uh, I think that's all for today. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I have really learned about the current state of the Indian economy, the outlook and the risks of the Indian stock market. Once again, thanks a lot for spreading your insights. Uh, anything you want to say before we end? Really appreciate Vinay uh, for having me here. It's just that, you know, it's, I'm sharing my experience. Uh, it's always, uh, you know, we should be the student of the market and should not get carried away uh, with a past return. I always say you have to be modest. Uh, you have to be always uh, your ears on the ground. And if you if you have a commonsensical approach to investments, there's always money to be made in the Indian markets. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Vinamra. All the best.